0: He's gonna run it.
1: Brad loves it. Touchdown. Now it's a fourth and ten. One last gasp. And that is going to be caught for a touchdown by Mike Evans.
0: E-tour gross Grossmato's out, Johnson a bigger roll, and here's third down, and that pass threads the needle, and it's caught by Brown! Somehow that got through, Brown was able to catch it and take it all the way inside the five-yard
2: line. Tried to go for it on fourth down, certainly want to be able to convert. Now Thielen on the other side. Covered to the backfield,
0: Young throws for the end zone, caught! Touchdown! Tommy Tremble, the tight end! Stafford has time, guns it in the middle, it is caught, Skoranek in for the touchdown! Ben Skoranek, who just came in when Nakua went out for a breather, he scores.
1: Yeah, here he goes.
0: Prescott, launching, end zone, has a man, caught, touchdown, Brandon Cooks! Second and goal, it's Akers to the goal line, he's in! Touchdown! First rushing
2: TD of the season for Minnesota. Or oh, Watson. Love looking, oh, throws, end zone, touchdown! Romeo Dobbs!
1: Minshew shoot flushed again. Stops, wants to throw, looking for the end zone in the corner, oh. and he's got it! Drew Ogletree, with the touchdown! Hard to throw. Wants to go deep. He's got Shahid out there. He's got it. And Shahid in for the touchdown. 58 yards to give New Orleans the lead. But can they punch it in here? they try to tie this game. Pump fake Jones thrown near center of oh. the field. That pass intercepted. Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey's got a lead blocker. Ramsey out of bounds. He's got his first pick. It is his Dolphins debut. Jones on 34, over the middle, it's caught. Kendrick Boyd, and he strolls in, touchdown. Third and five, Thibodeau coming with pressure, and he's got him. ball comes out. Jahad Ward scoops it up, and Ward is tackled at the 18 with a penalty marker down. Lawrence is in the backfield, Wilson escapes, throws on the run, he's got a man, first down. Second down and 10, Levis, that pump, Hopkins behind the defender and he's got it on the run! Third touchdown of the day, Levis to Hopkins for Tennessee. So inside the 10, first and goal. Heineke looking right, throwing that way, back corner of the end zone, does he hang on? Yes he does, touchdown Scotty Miller.
0: 40 seconds to go. Hertz
1: firing for the end zone and a one-handed attempt. Oh my goodness! A.J. Brown with an amazing touchdown. Powell floating one for the end zone and catch made. It's a Washington touchdown. Terry McLaurin. Lawrence
2: sets and throws a deep shot. It's caught by ETN. ETN is going to take it all the way touchdown jacksonville
1: trubisky rifles catch made pickens touchdown the steelers cash in here's the get behind the record yes he does touchdown christian mccaffrey purdy still has it oh it's taken away from him by pratt and it's like an RPO, but what a play by Pratt to get his hand up. Inside the red zone for the Cardinals. You see his numbers there when he's been under pressure. Third down and 15 under pressure. Lasers over the middle. Caught by McBride. Won't go down easy. Has the first down. Wants the touchdown. and has the effort from everybody. Touchdown Cardinals. Assist to the entire offense. Jackson to throw, bump fakes, off his back foot, there's Andrews! Ross is on the money, the Scottsdale native returning home to Arizona for the first time.
0: Here comes pressure, Smith gets ready and fast,
2: it's deflected in the air, what a play by Maurice Hurst, he tipped it himself and
0: grabbed it for his first interception in four years, and a takeaway by the Browns. Smith screen Jackson Smith and J.
1: looking for the lead and redemption for the Seahawks offense. Touchdown! Seahawks lead. Played only 50% of the snaps and had two sacks. And there's oh, a it's block. Blocked. It's blocked by Reed. On the kick by Lutz. Wilson with a second down and goal. Blocked by Troutman. Here comes Colapits. There goes Wilson. Touchdown!
0: Sutton touchdown. Denver.
1: Now gloveless. he's got Eckler. And Eckler's got the sideline. And Eckler got a touchdown.
2: Austin Eckler from 39 yards out. Beef begins from the 21. And dropping a shot play. Downfield from Darnell Moody. <laughs> Brought it in with a flag. Goff started
1: to his left and he's picked. Intercepted by Marcus Peters. Able to stay in bounds. He's gone. I see no flags. Touchdown Raiders. Dan Skipper comes in at left guard as they hand to Gibbs. And Gibbs breaks it. Touchdown one a night for the rookie. Wow. Come back. Jameer, come back.
0: Happy Halloween, Aussie Gridiron fans. Welcome back to another episode of G'day Gridiron. Thanks to the Aussie Gridiron Network. I'm here in the G'day Gridiron studios, joined as always by... The voice of Australian gridiron, soon to be Australian flag football, hopefully, and of course the main man in uh, the NFL circles in Australia, one Manjot Melly. Howdy, doody, mate.
2: I'm doing good. Speaking of flag football, by the way, I just wanted to start the episode congratulating the Australian teams. They went over to Malaysia, the Australian Oceanian sorry, the Asia Oceanian flag football championship. That's about full plate. Yep, that's yeah. Apologies to Asia there for saying Australians stuff, you guys. But <laughs> Australia did real well, I will say. Um congrats to the women's team coming second. The men's team came fourth. Uh massive results. This is the first time Australia had flag football teams in an actual international competition. The first time I've ever selected teams and they've gone out and done real well. They're really up there with the best in Asia. And I'm glad, you know, I was able to Pretty much uh, provide coverage on my Instagram stories all weekend. Did a couple of Instagram lives as well, reacting to the games themselves, um, which is really, it's a really interesting watch, um, watching them. Uh, I was really impressed by a lot of the players. Everyone did real well. So congrats if any of you guys are listening out there. Really proud of you guys for representing our country well.
0: Absolutely. You can go back and listen to a few of those or watch a few bits and pieces still on Manjot's stories at pastry press nfl of course we're all also joined in the g'day studios by possibly the only person we know who has experienced a truly commercialized
1: american halloween how are you going brad uh, i am good and i'm grateful that i'm not experiencing a commercialized halloween anymore <laughs> uh, I prefer, uh, Halloween is probably my least favorite uh, holiday or whatever event in in America, so I I don't miss it at all. As a teacher, I uh, the day after Halloween is the most dreaded day on the face of the earth. So it's just yeah, kids coming to school loaded up on sugar, and it's absolutely insane. I got smart pretty quick into my career, and always took the day after Halloween off. Just so I didn't, <laughs> That, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's next very the- very smart. Yeah. I love it. Next, next to the Super Bowl, it's probably the most uh, uh day that teachers take off. So uh, yeah, right. Like, okay, yeah. Okay,
2: yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah right. Halloween I'll, I'll and the agree. Super Bowl. I love I'll it. Agree with that one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's, that's that's actually that's pretty good. I love yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Well, I could tell. Yeah. I mean, are going to all be either on massive sugar highs or massive sugar come downs. Um, that's right that's the, right the, the yeah. sugar come the, as parents the sugar come down has always been hilarious to us um, oh. we the first time we saw it in one of the kids we very much likened it to uh, a hangover in an adult so getting a, like a really bad hangover from uh, a hard night on the source um, yeah, so yes yes it, it is it is pretty much the same they are just irritable as hell they don't want to move they just want to sleep and they're just yeah, you're just laughing at them all day. You're sucked in. Uh, told you not to <laughs> eat so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah, so that's a good, great thing. Um, well, I guess it's a bit of a spooky season in the NFL this week as well. We saw a lot of very bad teams get up for wins against some very good teams. Uh, and we also saw a lot of very tough injuries to a lot of players. Um, some season endings, some out for uh, extended periods of time. Uh, some can be, uh, in the case of my Vikings, can be truly devastating for a team. There are a few others as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seemed to be backup quarterback week. This is what it felt oh. like this week. It was like backup QB week. Uh, whether they do were backup QBs starting, having their first game, uh, and doing great in the in case of a couple that we'll talk about later on. Uh, or ones having to come in midway or towards the end of the game and really just try and hang in there and do whatever they can so it's definitely a spooky season yeah uh, it is and I I,
1: I wasn't uh, you know going into the week I wasn't too excited about uh, a ton of the matchups but some of them actually ended up being being pretty decent so um, they I don't think they're gonna hold a candle to this upcoming week's games, but we don't want to go there just yet. We gotta wrap up this week. Yeah, well, let's wrap up this week. We've got a lot to get through, of course. All
0: 16 games, all 32 teams were uh awake and available for week eight in the NFL. Strangely, we hit a weird week in the middle where the NFL decided to schedule no teams on a bye. Hmm. So <laughs> Everyone was there. Everyone was ready and raring to go. Uh, So we better start right up back at the beginning with Thursday night football, where the Buccaneers came to Buffalo and took on the Bills. Uh, And unfortunately, even though they came in with the best of intentions and played a a pretty reasonable first half, uh, or even first quarter, I should probably say, is the main thing, and they held the Bills to just three points in the first quarter. The Bills did end up overcoming them and really just came out swinging in the second half and just did away with some very poor play from the Bucks and eventually ran at 24 to 18 winners.
2: Oh, yeah, the Bills got real lucky at the end, though, guys. I gotta be honest, that Hail Mary. Godwin had the best chance at it, and somehow no one touched that hail mary. Yeah, I don't understand. I've never seen that before. Every hail mary gets batted down or batted up in the end. Someone catches it for miracle catch and that sort of thing. But I'm I'm seriously like dumbfounded. Like, how did Godwin miss well, that? Apart from just...
0: the apart from the pass interferences, which were definitely <laughs> there on both wide yeah. receivers. I think both
2: teams had passive differences on that play. I saw, saw Evans no. throwing guys to the ground. I saw him getting hugged. I saw Godwin getting hugged. Everyone was like interfering with one yeah. another, from what I could see. But if, if Chris Godwin
0: <laughs> had literally just turned around, uh, he would have, yeah. he would have definitely caught a ball that was yeah. right right in his uh, basically in his wheelhouse, in his chest area, and it could have been a very very different story that we were talking about right now. But yeah. I think the better team on the day definitely came out on top. Hundred percent. The Bills definitely played better in um in all yeah. facets of the game. Much better than we've seen them in the past couple of
1: weeks. Don't you think, Brad? Um, absolutely. Uh, you know they they have finally got their offense clicking. I'm concerned about their defense still. Yeah, you know they're they're averaging giving up ten points uh, uh, every fourth quarter. So it's at least for the last four games, they've been their defense has been giving up ten points in the fourth quarter. You can't sustain that. So offensively, absolutely, they found their mojo back. Defensively, they st- they still got a lot of big holes. Yep, yeah. have to agree. Um,
0: definitely have to agree. So. Um... Up next, I guess we went to Sunday football. First game we'll we'll touch on there in the list is Brad's Cowboys, who definitely looked like they were all the way back. They finally found a bit more mojo after a a down few weeks, uh, although they did have the buy in amongst all that. And they came home with their – I think I I should have checked before we started, but I'm pretty sure (laughs) it is the – 17th game 17th win in a row at home for the Cowboys uh, where they beat the Rams 43 to 20.
1: Yeah. They, they have a a real uh, significant home field advantage that doesn't get talked about a whole lot.
0: No, Um, I was, I was surprised to hear that stat uh, in, in another space this week. And Mm. they they were surprised Mm. on that podcast as well that someone's when someone said it. So, and these were NFL guys with stats, with actual NFL stats Uh, and they they didn't
1: know that. So yeah, it was a,
0: it's a big thing. It doesn't get talked about anywhere near enough.
1: No, you're, you're absolutely right, but it is significant. Um, I think what impressed me about this was they figured out, okay, in order for us to, to get the most out of our offense, we got to keep Dak mobile and we got to uh, feed CD lamb. I mean, it's, it's clear that he is the number one wide receiver and he's not only the number one, obviously he's been that for a while, but if we feed him, he can be a stud. I mean, yeah, he could, he's got some drop issues, but he can be a stud and you saw it when they fed him, you know, 12 catches 158 yards, two touchdowns. Um, And, but Dak has to be mobile. He has to create plays. That offensive line was just, it's just not holding together and they've had injury woes and everything, but it's still, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about their offensive line in terms of being able to sustain it for the full season. But this next week uh, is going to be, that's going to be the test coming up against the Eagles. That that's what we're going to see, you know, from the Rams perspective, uh i feel bad for stafford uh you know i don't know i I don't know if you guys have heard or i I don't know how much time they're talking about him missing but it's uh, only it's only a thumb injury so they think he should be a
0: short amount of time of course he did he got a thumb injury uh with it with about four seconds to go in the first half but he played out the half and so he came off he came back in the second half Played the next drive. It was an insane. It's an insane sort of um, sequence of events that happened. Yeah. this goes back to this goes back to some of the conversations we've had in previous weeks about Sean McVay and the Rams. And what the hell are they doing? So mm. Stafford hurt his thumb, um, uh, essentially hitting a helmet. Uh, it it um, in the then final like part the- came back out. It came back out in the next on the next drive, uh, and then during the first or second throw on the next drive. Hit a helmet again, same mm-hmm. thumb, and yeah. then McVeigh dials up uh, a special play, which basically has yes. has Stafford running and catching a pass. Um, that's that with with that hand, with that injured hand, and it's just yeah, insane.
1: The, <laughs> yeah conversion
0: and then they eventually had to take him out uh and brett rippon took over um for yeah. the remainder of the game but that was just a, yeah it's an insane little passage of time where it was just like what what are you doing the guy is obviously hurt and he's been hit twice and then you go and dial that play up i mean it worked and because matt stafford is a is a uh is an iron man and we'll just take yeah. whatever you whatever he gets fed but um yeah manjot it's just um, yeah. the Rams, just uh, worse to worse, I don't
2: they? <laughs> yeah, they're in they're in free fall um, at the moment. They have the worst uh, record of any team in their first twenty five games after the super, super Bowl win. They're worse <clears> than the Buccaneers. Um, I think the it was the Broncos as well. The Broncos in the late nineties, the Bucks in the early two thousands after their first Super Bowl win. That sort of thing. That's that's one of the stats I had. You guys today. Another one, uh, the Cowboys actually, over the last two seasons, averaged the most points per game at home. I actually saw that after the Monday night football game. We're gonna talk about the Lions home record, but Dallas has the best points per record at home from from what I remember, or at least Mm -hmm. the top five, but I do remember they were they were definitely a top five team in points per game at home. So definitely that offense was where is where that sort of improvement is for Dallas, I think is that's why they're so good at home. They just, yep. they just kill you with that offense.
0: It's um yeah. Very strange. The Rams, very strange at the moment that when you got that we saw earlier in the season, they were really just dialing it up with Puka Nakua. cup comes back. And yeah. Okay. Second. Just,
2: sorry. I got the stats. I, I went straight yeah. to the replay of the game. Yeah. They're second in points per game after the Lions at home in the last two seasons The Cowboys. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the cup comes back and it's uh, he's, yeah, he he's dealing still. And yet here they are still going down so hard and you have to put that on the defense, but also the offense isn't really, didn't really fire. It's strange because a lot of it was, was shared around Daryl Henderson here with his second start um in the league this year and featured heavily, again, in both running and passing, which is just an amazing thing for a guy uh, who, uh, his age. But I think uh, yeah. Brad Brad mentioned it. The story of the game here is basically Dak Prescott and CD Lamb finally um, coming out and, and coming together in an incredible way and really uh, scaring the pants off the remainder of the league. Righto, let's move on to... Uh, Possibly one of the last times we might have an in-depth Vikings talk on the gridiron for the, for the rest of the season. Oh, Vikings uh, went into Lambeau against the Packers uh, with high, high hopes and really set off on a great, great foot, uh, both offensively and defensively. The defense really shone in this game. we getting several key stops at key points in time against the Packers. But the big story of the game was, of course, Kirk Cousins uh, with a what is now known now known to be a confirmed ACL tear out for the remainder of the yeah. season. Uh, a lot of people saying that it is possibly the last time we will see him in purple. Uh, that remains to be seen because of the, the way that people have been talking about him, um, especially coming out of the, the Vikings coaching group and their front office uh, the last two days. I don't know whether that is definitely going to be the last time we see him. Of course, Jared Hall came came in to uh, finish out the game. Didn't look great, but like to be honest, it is his very first uh, time at bat in the NFL. Uh, the first couple of plays, and Kevin O'Connell really didn't do him any favors with the plays that he dialed up either at a key point in the game where we just needed to uh, hang on to a ball push forward, uh, just try and keep the defense off the field for a short amount of time so that they could get a bit of a rest because they were really uh, the key key ingredient in this game and they got quite a few stops over the Packers and Jordan Love, who really, really did not look good in this game. I've been a bit, a bit apologetic for Jordan Love over the last few weeks with the way he's played and it was more about his team not coming together around him. But there is no excusing some of the play and some of the drops, some of the missed throws that happened in this game. I don't know whether he was just having a really bad game or there is points here where he's just not getting it against defences who are coming on the up.
2: Oh boy. He's had a rough month, I think. Just really the last month for Jordan Love has been real bad. Like ever since that Lions game, he's just been not looking the same as the guy that started the season on fire. And that's my concern for Love. Uh, I know, yeah, young QBs, they they have this bit of a rough patch sometimes. I, I hope for the Packers' sake, they keep uh giving Love that sort of attention, keep making sure that he can develop more because this is supposed to be a development year for the Packers and the whole team. But yeah, he's really not been great the past month. So there is there is concern based on form. And really it's mostly him. And unfortunately he doesn't have too much wide receiver talent around him. But still like a lot of the plays just it doesn't look great from Jordan Love, what I've seen the last four weeks or so. And for the Vikings man, Ian, I have been there maybe one, two, three, four, five <laughs> a million times pretty much with quarterback injuries. I swear to God, if if anything, I'm probably the expert in how to handle quarterback injuries. Let me I think I think and, the difference is and-
0: though, man, John, is the 49ers have been much better about uh picking um picking backup quarterbacks than the Vikings <laughs> seem to have been. The Vikings decided that they would roll into things just with Jared Hall. And, and hmm. I mean yeah. admittedly, uh logically so Cousins had only has only missed two games in his, his entire career, only one yep. while he's been at Minnesota, and that was a due to a positive COVID test in 2020. Uh, he hasn't so he, missed
2: a start due to injury at all. No in starts his career. due to
0: injury. Yeah, that's right. At all. And he very rarely gets injured. Um he was pretty much the prototypical is sorry. Pretty much, he's not dead Ian. Yeah. Pretty much the prototypical Iron Man. Um
2: I could, the exact same as the Rogers injury too. My um, the same way the Achilles came out and everything. Yeah. Oh man, I feel sick. Feels sick watching that, and cousins honestly, cousins did what cousins
0: yeah. will always do, though, and he sat in that cart and supported his yeah, team through the rest of it. the game and cheered him on. Um, I've been there. You know, there's not a lot of pain in Achilles injury for the first part. There's a hell of a lot of swelling, but that's about yeah. it.
2: Um, oh man, it's I'll tell you to you what, watch, I t-
0: tell you what, I tell you what, might, t- what might be tough to watch, man, Jot. Yeah, uh, probably Brad. This will be more for Brad, uh, knowing his his love of the Saints is I may um. I may get a a little bit too much of my wish for and my my desire to see uh, mid mid level underdog QBs because there's been a lot of talk today that the Vikings are in heavy talks with the Saints for Jameis Winston.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> I, I knew his name was coming out of your mouth. Know. Once he said Saints, I was like, I uh, know it's Jameis, because you love Jameis. I knew I do, and you know what?
0: Coming. You know my my weird fascination with these underdog QBs and I don't yeah. know why. And I just
2: oh, get we, there we and then I saw this about stuff about
0: Jameis James today and I'm like, oh God, I might have bitten off more than I can chew in. <laughs> yeah,
2: we, we always we always debate underdog quarterbacks on this show. I'm sure we're going to get to one in a few of these segments coming <laughs> up. But yeah, I feel for you and honestly, like watching Cousins like that, I was yeah. devastated watching that. I know you would have been too.
0: Oh, it was hard. It was hard because that was that was, uh yeah, it was not long before I was about to leave for work as well when that happened. So uh, that was a, a tough watch and trying to figure out what was going on while I was supposed to be driving a car, uh, all that kind of stuff. So Hey, let's move on to a QB who had his first start in the league this season, a rookie QB who came out for the injured Ryan Tannehill. And of course I am talking about Will Levis, Tennessee Titans, and really showed the league and I guess the Tennessee Titans, what, and their fans, what they can look forward to over the coming years. What an absolute baller of a first hit out on an NFL field, coming up against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Desmond Ritter was doing some very Desmond Ritter-like things for a good portion of this game, until he was replaced by Taylor Heineke. I was pretty happy to see Taylor Heineke come into that game, into this game uh, after halftime. Brad, we've had some fascination with the Falcons and their Falcon play. Um, over the entirety of the season, um, hmm. and this was a good game. I I watched a lot of this. I watched a lot of this game, and I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. But I guess I've converted if... you. Oh no, we're going to talk
2: about that for 15 minutes. <laughs> no, we are on. not.
0: We are limited here. Um,
2: <laughs> I would rather
0: talk a lot more about the Titans, and I think that's why I chose yeah. to watch a lot more of this game because I really uh, once I heard what Will Levis was doing, I wanted to see a lot of this. Uh, and I love the throws Will Levis was making. Ritter, God Almighty, I can start seeing at the moment in this game that really showed up why, um, why people have been on about Ritter and, and, mm. and he's just not getting it. There was some really abhorrent throws, um, but I am glad if we get away from the Falcons, Ritter on the Falcon side. I'm so glad we saw more of Bijan Robinson in
1: this game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It you know. It, the thing about Will Levis is he's fun to watch. Everybody knows he's got a cannon, and he showed it off. Uh, it just was absolutely unreal what he was doing there. But but it, I heard an interesting stat today, actually, that 50% of his throws was either these bombs that traveled, you know, God knows how long, um, or they were screens. He, and and that's actually brilliant by the Titans coaching staff in the sense of they know what he can do. He can throw deep and he can, you know, he's he's fine on the screen. It's the intermediate stuff that he struggles with. And that's why he fell in the draft. So uh, hats off to the Titans coaching staff. They put him in a, in a position to succeed. And I think also, too, there's a little bit of the game planning in the sense of, Atlanta, I don't think was expecting him to throw deep like they did. Um, on on the Atlanta side, you know, it's just uh, you're right. Everything you said about Ritter. My question with Atlanta is, you know what Taylor Heineke can do? I mean, he he's got a very low ceiling. At least if you stick with Ritter, there's there is the potential. There's that that word that everybody loves. Especially when it comes to quarterbacks, but there's that potential that he can develop. Uh, he looked bad, and 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 even Heineke said after the game, "No, this is Desmond Ritter's team, and all this and that." But he did look bad. He so, uh, you know, frankly, I would still roll with Ritter because Heineke's not going to really get you anything. Whereas if if Ritter develops, then then you potentially might have something, but. You know, and people say, Oh, he sparked this comeback, Heineke did. He didn't spark it, in my opinion. He did not spark the comeback. What sparked the comeback was they got the run game going. And that's and that's what the Falcons do. They wear you down, and the second half, their their run game comes alive. So I'm gonna stop there before I keep talking Falcons talk. I know Manjot. Oh, man. <laughs> Manjo, uh, Manjo, all I'll say is Will Levis will just Will Levis did have
0: three yeah. of the, the 10 longest touchdown passes by air distance this season. Uh, in yes. this game, 47-yard uh, yeah. TD to D Hop, 33-yard TD to uh, Westbrook Akine, and a 61-yard TD to D Hop. He also missed three other, well, there were three incompletes that were just as far to D Hop as well. Him and D Hop obviously had a very great connection in this. DeAndre Hopkins coming four receptions for 128 yards and three TDs. Oh this yeah. Game. It was so fantasy good. Fantasy
2: monster man. I was so so happy me and Maddie happened the Astro League in in fantasy. So we loved it. We love seeing that Hopkins performance. And honestly, he he in like one half already tied Tanner Hill's entire uh, touchdown um yeah, the entirety of Tannehill's Hill's touchdown production for the entire season in one half and then he's hmm. doubled it in the whole game. I really think if that's not a sign that Ryan Tannehill should be benched. I I don't know what is because I think they have actually unlocked a new element to this offense. It's really just been Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry all season. Literally just one play on that offense. Now you have Levis. Well, Hopkins can get involved. You have another threat out there. It's going to be great. You have guys like... I guess, Traylon Burks. I mean, we didn't see him much in this game. Only got a couple targets. But still, he can be unlocked as well. You can see guys like Westbrook Akine develop. I just think they should throw it to Will Levis. They should let him have the job long term. Sort of like when Lamar came in for Joe Flacco at the end of his rookie season, even though Flacco was in a big contract, just like Tannehill is now. I think that's the same sort of thing they should do with Levis. I think well, Levis should really get the starting role from here on out. I've seen, I've seen enough. From they've, already
0: the that, uh, they've already said that. They've already um, said that Hill is out this week, so Will Levis will get his second start. Oh, okay. So, okay, so that's already yeah. a good thing. So, all right, let's move on before we talk way too much more about a Falcons game. Um, <laughs> Saints Colts. Uh, while... I don't know what to say too much about this game. It was very even through the majority of the game until late in the fourth quarter when the Saints took a pretty decent or pretty handy lead late on. Uh, They were 35-20. The Colts came back again with another TD to bring them within eight again. Uh, And then it basically remained that way until a late field goal. Uh, There was a missed field goal from the what was it? I can't remember what it is. It was a missed field goal somewhere. Then it was a missed uh, done field goal by the, uh, completed field goal by the Saints. I don't even know English today. Uh, And the Saints ended up going out winners 38 to 27 over the Colts. And I can see why, if they are thinking about trading Jameis Winston, why they might, because they don't seem to let him on the field. And apparently Taysom Hill is still their QB two, And they just let him do all these weird QB draws. Uh, whenever Derek Carr feels like he needs to rest an arm for a play or two.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I felt like they utilized Hill much better than they had previously. And then they got Kamara going um in both the run and and passing game so uh you know they racked up the yards kudos to the saints they finally put it together you know we've been saying they've got all this talent and when's it going to come together and it finally did come together um for the for this game so hats off to them now the trick is you know can they keep it rolling because they had 10 days of rest to prepare for this game so uh we'll see if they can do it just on a normal week coming into this into this next week that's the good thing about you know when you get a little mini buy like this so nfl teams are pretty self-aware and so they know what their weaknesses are um and if you give them enough time that they, they can fix them or you know work on them and try and make some changes which is obvious they did on that offense. So if Derek Carr gets his groove uh, with that offense, look out. They they could make some noise. You know, the Colts, I I don't know why they didn't stick with the running game. They really, you know, uh, Taylor had a great first half. And then second half, he got one carry. So I don't know what's going on there.
2: Yeah, I think with the Saints as well, just like you said, Brad, uh, you know, they're coming up. Next week against the Bears. They could go on a bit of a run here, I think. And they got the Bears, then the Vikings who don't have cousins, and then they got the bye. And then they got mm-hmm. the Falcons, Lions, Panthers, Giants, Rams, Buccaneers, really, that and, and Falcons to finish. So that really could be a good end of the season coming up to the Saints if they play up to their potential. I think that yeah. is something that something interesting to note, I think, for for the Saints is, yeah, if Derek Carr can really get going, if Taysom Hill can be used well, Kamara can be used well, then I think there is a potential that they can go on a bit of a run. Uh, yeah, just like you said for the Colts, they could have run it a bit more, especially with Taylor. I mean, Taylor and Moss both, both split splitting carries still pretty even there, 12 to 11 in terms of carries. I think that's a bit of a telling sign they're going for a running back by committee. But still, I think using the more talented player in Taylor should be a bit more prioritized there for the Colts and take a bit of pressure off Gardner and Minshew having to carry the team. Well, yeah, and you're right. And,
1: and the fact that they're in the NFC, I mean, you know, anything can happen in that division. So, yeah. uh, I mean, for crying out loud, the, the, the Bucks can still win that division. They're, they're one game back. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: All right, moving on. Uh, the Miami Dolphins and Tua tonga has never lost to the Patriots in any one of his starts against them. He still considers them one of the toughest opponents to beat. And, of course, the Dolphins came out winners here against the, th- the New England Patriots, 31-17. to Tua Sean uh, in this game, throwing 324 yards, three touchdowns. Of course, there was the one interception. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, though, man, Jot, made his Dolphins debut, finally intercepted a Mac Jones pass intended for Kendrick Bourne and returned it 49 yards in the second quarter. Uh, He uh, did say (laughs) it was a good play, but in order for it to be a great play, in order for me to help the team out a little more, I should have
2: scored um, oh the dogs uh, McDaniel try... too yeah. yeah Mike McDaniel said that he, he was disappointed in him because he promised to pick six in his first game back there was, lo- there was a
0: lot there was <laughs> a lot of sarcasm from Mike McDaniel though and I am yeah. I am absolutely loving his uh after game press conferences because they are bathed dripping in sarcasm.
2: <laughs> yeah there's some great quotes that come out of it one of the things i really like. the
0: juxtaposition the in these two coaches though when you get to a press conference especially oh. after a game is even belichick last week with a big win will say hardly anything and mike mcdaniel will just joke and just use massive amounts of sarcasm with the media it is just amazing yeah.
2: I I just, yeah, on that, I mean, Belichick has an amazing football mind. I kind of wish, yeah, he had a bit of a better relationship with the media because we could get a few more insights here and there. But I think, yeah, a bit of secrecy of his game plans at times here and there as well can be in that. One bit I found very interesting was watching Jalen Waddle's touchdown. It really showed – I was watching a bit of analysis there from Emmanuel Archer. It really showed the cheetah effect. Really, the Patriots tried to double-team Tyreek Hill quite a lot in this game and opened up that touchdown for Jalen Waddle because he's wide open over the middle. His man left Waddle just to cover Hill, literally just leaving Waddle wide open. I think that really shows why Tyreek Hill is one of the best players. I mean, he had a touchdown himself. He was amazing Hill as well in that touchdown play as well. But it really shows, hey, I am real scared of... Tyreek Hill. That really showed that defense was. Any defense would be, but it really showed in that game just how scared the Patriots really were of Tyreek Hill. I think that really shows that his effect on the team itself, even when he's not catching the ball, is still very much a big factor in every single play.
1: I What concerns me is that, that Dolphins' offensive line, um, not because of their play, but because of their injuries, uh, they mm-hmm. were, they were down four starters at, at one point in that. And they were, they were playing guys, you know, that they just, I think brought up off the practice squad. So, and they're, they're due to get some of them back, which is good for them. So if they can weather this storm, then, then, then I think they'll be all right. But that offensive line, if they continue to get banged up like that, it's good night, Irene, it's, it's going to be over. And the running game had their second, Again, the second week in a row where they just could not run the ball. And you know, it looked like we had those series of weeks there where they were just running over people, but now it seems to be going back to where they, this is they're not running it very much. And granted, it, it's against a Bill Belichick defense, but and then on the Patriots side, you know, everything's all right uh in the world because Manja, you can still say Mac Jones sucks. He uh <laughs> He did not have a good. He did not have another good game. It is funny because yeah. it was such a great game last
0: week and such a terrible game this week again.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's back, you know, sucking it up. So uh, yeah. yeah, talk about, talk about
0: swings and roundabouts, mate. I tell you what. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yep. Oh, man, yeah. It's he, tough watching Mac Jones. I'm sorry. It is
0: very tough watching Mac Jones. All right, let's move on to the metal Ends. where. Oh, the Jets and the Giants came together for their fourth, four-yearly showdown uh, together, um, where you don't know if it's a home or an away game. This game has to be one of the most frustrating watches <laughs> I've had all season, maybe even last season as well. There were 15, and I'm not kidding, 15 punts in the first half alone from these two teams. Uh, oh. It was an it was an absolute punt fest in this game. In this game, oh. it felt like um, I don't know. You might not have, Brad. I don't think it, I don't think it would have ever been an American thing. It is a very Australian thing. I'm not sure whether it's a 80s Australian thing. Not sure whether Manjot might have experienced it on the schoolyard like I did, or, or it was only very much an 80s, oh, the 90s kick to thing. Kick? But the old forcey backs that we used to call them, oh. where you just basically kick to kick like a yeah. like you're on an AFL field, but you weren't allowed to move. Uh, we used to just kick just kick as far as you could
2: oh, i did uh, that all the time Ian. in in, um, in school i did that all the time so this, don't worry i
0: know uh, it just <laughs> felt like that in this game um 15 punts was just uh insanity um oh,
2: 24 for the game by 24 the
0: way. yeah 24 for the game that's right there's 23
2: there are, points yeah <laughs> there's
0: over there is over a 1000 yards punting in this game
2: that really? is
0: <sighs> I don't, know, I don't know what else to say about this game, but the two, Thomas Moore said and Jamie Gillen were amazing in this game. And that's the Jets punter and the Giants punter for anybody that doesn't know punter names. Um, I'm sure most <laughs> people would have to look them up or the majority of people that watched this game would know them as household mm. names after this game. Uh, they were, oh. those, these two guys were amazing. They were uh, 55 plus yard punts nearly every time left their foot. Um, but I just, I just, don't know. This game seemed to be a bad game for Zach Wilson. It was an it's an okay game for Zach Wilson, I guess you could probably say Tyrod Taylor was in again for Daniel Jones, who was still out injured, but then Tyrod Taylor got injured, and we end up with the very, very New Yorkian name of Tommy DeVito, who comes in <laughs> as the qb three for the Giants. I mean, can you get a guy that sounds any more like a New Yorker than Tommy <laughs> DeVito? <laughs>
1: He's got a yeah. he's got an uncle Danny. Uh, yeah. but,
0: uh, Mighty yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh man. Even Danny
2: DeVito could have played better than him. If his father oh. doesn't own a pizza shop. It's, yeah. It's such, yeah.
1: No, this game uh, it, it it put football back 10, 10, 20 years. It were, you know, it was it was a horrific, horrific game. The Giants should have won it um the Jets got lucky they pulled it out of the hat um but yeah I I got nothing to say about this game other than uh UGLY you ain't got no alibi it, it, was, ugly. <laughs> that it was ugly definitely uh like I think man John, we'll move on pretty, pretty oh,
0: much uh please. I think the, only, because, the honestly, only good thing to say about this game is Brees Hall is still a dude and Garris, yes. Will, Garrett Saquon, Wilson, Garrett Saquon Wilson can still, yards. yeah, Garrett Wilson can still catch amazing passes. And Saquon Barkley is still Saquon Barkley.
2: Oh uh, well, and, I wouldn't say Brees Hall is a dude with twelve carries from seventeen yards. It wasn't his no, best game, but six, the, six, catches, the catches, the catches, six for yeah. seventy-six.
0: He's all over the field, man. He is playing both yeah. sides of the ball. So it's honestly,
2: just... uh yeah, that was the worst quarterbacking performance i've ever seen I just it is from ter- both teams just absolutely terrible terrible so well, we're gonna and, move
1: and you say well real quick you say saquon you know had 100
2: he carried the ball 35 times yeah i, I, know. Know, <laughs> I know i know but they had to. they had to they only yeah. passed it 14 times and they got sacked a million times and they had negative nine net passing yards when you take into account sacks and everything, which, which was one of the worst games ever. I think it was yep. first time a team's been in a negative since the 70s. Oh, it's wow, really bad man. All right, All right let's move, move on.
0: on. Let's move on to the Jags and the hey, Pittsburgh Steelers cool. game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jags came out heavy winners 20 to 10 over the Steelers. Mitch Trubisky had to take over for an injured Kenny Pickett during the game. Trubisky, whilst he's made a couple of decent throws, is still basically the Mitch Trubisky we all know and love. Uh he is one underdog QB that I will probably never root for, manjot. Uh and about the only <laughs> other thing I want to say before I pass it off Thanks to God. you guys for this game is fire Canada. Can we <laughs> not get rid of Matt Canada already? He's clearly the problem with the state. I think game. I
1: think a lot. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think I think a lot of people would agree with you uh, on the Canada thing. Um, I I think I think the Jags are for real. Um, uh, I think that this, regardless of what you say about the Pittsburgh offense, the Pittsburgh D is pretty stout and the the jacksonville yeah they had some red zone issues um they t- you know trevor lawrence threw through an end zone re- interception i think evan ingram he lost a fumble um and allowed the the pittsburgh to hang on but i think jacksonville is legit and they're getting back um three starters so they're getting back zay jones uh walker little actually four starters Offensive lineman Walker Little, cornerback Tyson Campbell, and safety Andre Cisco. So you throw those guys back in the mix, and I think they're a legit team that you know that could potentially pull off an upset in the playoffs. I
2: have to say, yeah.
0: at, six, at six and two, you have to say they are pretty much a legit team. Um, yeah. yeah, I think they've.
2: Yeah, real close to the division, boys. Do don't you think they're real close to sealing that division?
0: Very close, because because the rest of the teams are at three and four, basically, uh, except the Colts are at three and five because they haven't had a buy yet. But yeah, yeah, they are very close to that. Um, I would be worried for a few of these teams that are coming up uh, within their schedule: the Titans, Texans, um, especially. uh, They could basically run over those those two teams um, within their division, but also
2: just in general.
0: Um, so that's going to be speaking of
2: running over people, by the way. Ian Travis Etienne, he's amazing. Oh, yes. I he's love a, that guy, man. I mean, yeah, I have him in a few fantasy stuff. leagues, I have a, him in a few fantasy leagues, and he's the third best running back in fantasy. I mean, what am I? teams, obviously, sharing with Maddie in the Astro League. We have both running back one, Christian McCaffrey, and running back three, Travis Etienne. So I just absolutely love this guy, Etienne, by the way. I've loved him ever since he came into the league. He's just a great guy, both on the air uh, – sorry, on the ground and in the air. He's just incredible. I, I just love Etienne. That's just yep. what I want to say about this game. No, I, I
0: have to agree, man. Uh, the only thing I would worry about is that he only he's only averaging 3.3 yards carry. Uh, in the game, yeah. and there, it's not—it was only a 13-yard long run as well, um, which was great, and it was a great run. But I—I I would like to see that offensive line. I think, as Brad pointed out, getting um, your starting O-line back as well, I'd yeah. like to see them create, try and create those uh, bit bigger holes for him to to get through because he's such an explosive runner, um, and I think he's a a, a genuine genuine weapon um, for that Jacksonville team. Today, Gridiron is brought to you by the Aussie Gridiron Network, a network of Australian podcasts bringing you some of the best content from the NFL and the local game. Check out our other podcasts: Aussie NFL Fantasy and No Huddle Dynasty.